Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are the Knights of Awakening. Hello, good morning and evening. We are the Knights of Awakening, broadcasting from our corner of the University yours. I'm your host, Knight Justin, reaching out to all of you, our brothers and sisters, wherever you may call home. Coming to you live from the foothills of the beautiful Rocky Mountains. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. We are the Knights of Awakening, and I am your host, Justin. Now, right off the bat, I'm going to have to ask you to forgive me one, maybe one more time because I'm going to be sniffling and coughing here and there, still trying to get over this cold. Um, and today I'm running solo, so it's kind of weird, creepy in here because I had people in here the other day on Monday, and now I don't. So, but. Never fear, because I do have a good friend with me who I hope will help me out. He's going to help me out at least with one part of this because he's kind of responsible for it. But uh, let's say hello to Charles. Hello, hello. And it's good to be here. (laughs) How are you, my friend? I am doing well. I am doing well. Um, you know, I actually was listening on the last show, and I really felt bad that I missed it. Just It's the nature of actually taking a day off yesterday, which never happens. And when I take a day off, I, I take a day off. Like, I, I crash to, to end all crashes, you know? Well, that's because you go so hard. <laughs> and uh, I do. Some of us sometimes have to I remind do. you to crash. <laughs> you, my wife You know, somebody did a video Somebody did a video once And it was really good uh, Bear with me I think it was called The Importance of Proper Rest I think it was called One of my favorite videos yes, I've ever seen the, I just, the important I can't remember who, who wrote it yeah. I don't know It was some, it was yeah. some jackass <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is, it is, especially with what my line of work is, because everything I'm doing is spiritual, or it winds up being, you know, the paperwork side of it, you're filing taxes and everything else, which I have to do at certain points in time. But with that, you know, in mind, it's, it's really, it's really unique, because 
you know, you get paid to take orders, not to fill them. As funny as that sounds, but you still have to fill them once you've been paid. And that sounds really funny, but when, when you do your own home business, it really starts to make sense. And I, I remind people, people that you know, our fellow uh, industrialists, I guess would be the proper term, like myself that came to me for advice, I reminded one, I said, you know, remember, yeah, you're, you only get paid when orders come in, but if you don't fill orders, you're not going to get any new ones in eventually. And he said, yeah, that's, that's something that's really hard to remember. So in this line of work, you wind up basically being a person who drowns but begs for more water. That, that's the only way to well, – yeah, yeah. you, you wind up drowning and begging for more water the whole time. That's not a bad way to put but it. It's fun. Yeah. No, but it's fun. It's, it's fun, and it's enjoyable in its own right. Um, and it really you, – you learn where you don't know where your own, your own stuff is at because um, to give a good example myself, I had overloaded my own energy system. I was feeling really, really beat up. And I couldn't really pinpoint it, so I started doing some research into uh, energy work methods that I have used throughout most of my life. But, you know, you, you forget the intricate details. It's like learning how to throw a punch and then forgetting about how you rotate your hips when you do it. You don't think about it, and if for some reason you stop rotating your hips, then you don't throw a proper punch. So I had to go back and uh, read up a little bit, and it hit me really hard and really fast that my – not really my shockers were out of alignment, but more my Don Tien system was not functioning the way it should. Normally your energy should uh, start at the base and work its way up and be refined and then return part of it back to the base with negative energy expelled. <clears throat> and instead I was just blasting energy off like an idiot, um, which was keeping me alive and functional, but it was making me feel like I was running a mile every second. And it really hit me hard. You know, this line of work, you you learn when you are making a mistake really fast because that mistake will be something that will weigh upon you because you have more work coming in, more that you'll have to do. You know, sitting upon that uh, that mistake that will wear you down more, and then you have to self-correct. You have to uh, you have to really do a lot of hard work and a lot of insight to do better. And the worst part is, rarely ever do you have anyone you can go to for advice because you're the guy that gives the advice. It's it's like it's very much like it was with PC tech work, you know. I I didn't have anyone I could call up and ask, hey, well, you know, what what do you think of this problem? Because everyone would be like, I don't know, I was gonna call you up. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, it's hard being it's hard being the guy that knows everything, isn't it? I run into that problem every day of my life. <laughs> Just kidding. Yes, Just your, kidding. your your wife has told us. She, yeah, she told well, us that's a very terrible problem you have. <laughs> What's that? Always being right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she <laughs> said it's a terrible, terrible affliction she's she's trying to help you with. For those of you who, who are just joining us, um, and I mean just joining us like not right now, but if you're new to the to the Knights of Awakening, what I like to do normally is go over some old business update you on what's going on um, on the other pages, things like that. But today, in, in light of the in light of the disaster that we may be heading headfirst into, just a week removed from another disaster, I wanna I'm gonna spend some time this first half hour talking about some of the 
So this is the time where we usually talk about, you know, old business and catching up for the week or whatever. Um, but in light of the the stuff that's coming at us and more more for the East Coast and the East, the, the Southeast, Allie's been putting together a lot of, Allie, she is the um, host of Let's Regroup. She does a lot of um, non-spiritual videos that deal with um, disasters, uh, politics, things like this. And she's been putting together a lot of good information uh, pertaining to the upcoming um, storm that's about to hit uh, us here in the U.S. And I asked her if she could be here, but she was going to be um, going to church tonight and petitioning her church to try and help start doing some fundraising so, so they can help um, in whatever way, whatever way they can. So I asked her to put together some stuff. Now, some of these things that I'm going to read to you have links to um, different types of apps that you can download on your phone or tablet. They also have links to different maps. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put those links um, after the show. I'll put those links in the comments of the show. That way they're there, they're preserved. You can come back to them, um, share it with your friends or whatever, anybody who may be affected. Um, before we get into that, though, I, I want to bring Charles back real quick. Um, I'm not going to say exactly where Charles lives, but Charles may be in the path of some impending doom here, and uh, maybe he can tell us what's going on um, where he's at. Well, uh, there is a big old hurricane heading towards us. That's what's going on. <laughs> um, I'm in North Florida. I lived in, I guess, the Middle Florida. Middle Middle East Florida, that sounds so weird. Florida's a big state. If you've never lived in a state like Florida, if you've lived in a box state, as I call them, where everything's just kind of like, you know, a big old chunk, then you don't really understand how big Florida is. Florida takes a tremendous amount of time to travel, and it covers a huge area, even though it's not that wide. And the result is that there's a, a huge difference between being on one side of the state and the other, even in temperature and environment. Right now, North Florida is fairly safe for the big old hurricane that is heading towards us. Um, everything up to about Ocala is in grave danger of being ripped off the face of the earth and launched into space. Maybe not quite that bad, but close enough, or completely buried underwater from the sounds of what I've seen. Um, here are some things that I can tell you are going on right now. Number one, it's already started. People are already price gouging every needed commodity or supply. So if you need something, you may need to travel north to get it. That's the kind of thing you don't normally expect to hear as advisement. But I'm telling you, if you're going to try to sit this out and you're in the middle part of Florida, you need to cross the Georgia border. And yeah, it's going to be a 10-hour day of driving to do this if you're going to get supplies to bring back because you're not going to find anything in the middle part of Florida. Um, I still have access to all the different Facebook pages from when I was down in the middle part of Florida, and I'm getting reports that people are selling a gas can, uh, one gallon gas can for $20. So that's already started. Supplies are low, but not completely out. There's still there there's still a lot of water to be found in most places, um, just not necessarily in the stores that you're going to look for. You may have to go to dollar stores. You may have to go to hardware stores or things like that where they keep order on hand. And, you know, for your water stock of supplies, batteries are still fairly plentiful, but they're starting to run lower. 
Um, a lot of businesses have started closing in South and mid mid I guess mid South Florida. It's really hard to just to describe it with directions like that, but what it boils down to is everyone's buckling down and preparing because it's it's pretty bad. Um, we've, I've got friends in uh, Puerto Rico that it's already hit, and I'm waiting to get reports back to see if they're okay. Um, it's it's just it's a it's a nasty storm, and it's kind of the nature. Right? I told my wife, you know, we moved up to northern Florida about a month ago, and I told her I said I took you to the safest places on earth. I didn't exactly know a hurricane was coming. Um, I just knew something was coming, so I went north um, and wound up, wound up having a hurricane chase me. Uh, realistically speaking, my advisement for everyone in the southern part of Florida, if you can, you still have a few days before this sucker hits, uh, follow me. Uh, follow me and heading north for a little bit. Invade the northern lands. If you have friends up north, uh, spend spend some time visiting them, especially – right now before the roads clog completely because it's already started the congestion um, reports of ways are fairly clogged all the way down into Bradenton and Sarasota uh, if you're if you're moving to move for to get ready for this if you're trying to get out of the path of it you want to go now um, you don't want to wait until Friday yeah I know it's not going to hit till Friday I know that it's, it's all the way over there and right now it's all the way over there and you're all the way over here and you know how bad could it be? But there's there's a reason why the scale, you know, only goes up to five, and this sucker is sitting at a five. Um, when 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 you're getting five out of five stars on the holy crap scale of damage and destruction, you might want to get out of the way of this thing if you can. Now, if you can't, uh, then you seriously want to make sure that you have a fresh supplies of water, which won't be the 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 most that that's important, but it's something that is not going to destroy you instantly. Um, if you are on medicines or medications, you better make sure that they're filled and have them on hand in a safe, dry place. Um, if you're going to try to buckle down for this, make sure that your house is built for it. Uh, if you live in a trailer, don't just, I mean, not don't live in a trailer, but don't think that you're going to avoid damage from this thing. And there's a reason they call it a hurricane, and there's a reason it does what it does. Um, if you're in North Florida, sit back and enjoy being able to say that you're in Florida and you got hit with a hurricane and it didn't even matter. Because North Florida's pretty, you know, by the time it hits us, it's going to be a Category 2 or a Category 1, um, which is it's, it's a tropical storm. I mean, it's, it's bigger than a tropical storm, but it might as well be a tropical storm at those levels. Um that's what I know. I've got reports from family and friends down that way. Like I said, roads are already starting to clog up. If you're listening and you're saying, oh, I'm going to wait till Friday and, and go. No, no, it's Wednesday. You could you could go right now, you know. Uh, please do while you can. Because if you wait till Friday, you are not going to travel. You're going to still be stuck in traffic 10 hours later, 12 hours later when the storm hits. So that would be what I can tell you that. And like I said, there's a lot of people that are trying to capitalize on this in a way that turns my stomach. I just, I, yeah, like there are people selling rolls of duct tape for $20. It's it's just, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Hurricanes are bad. Um, especially from, coming from a guy who came from Maryland at one point. Now he's in hurricane country. 
The thing is, Maryland has its own disasters to prepare for, and I don't freak out over any kind of disaster. Um, we'll be hearing the sound of Justin murder his dog in like four seconds. Listen for it. Um, but, uh, you know, seriously, uh, Maryland has its own disasters, and those disasters hit regularly. And this is the thing. I'm used to having to have supplies on hand because I used to live in the place where it was uh, – it was it was the place in that song where where the 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 ice and the snow where the hot springs flow. It it would once a year it would freeze over. It would pile with about ten feet of snow. You would dig your way out, and if you could dig a car out, you'd take a car to get to work. Otherwise, you would kind of walk a mile or two in the snow. Um, hope to God you made it there okay, and then hope that you'd make it back okay as well. And it would be like that for about three days, and then the, then the weather would just change and it would melt. I kid you not, that was the town I lived in. The weather would change that quick, and it would get that bad. And while the roads were never unusable for more than a day, you could bet that milk, bread, and eggs would be sold out completely. Why people want milk, bread, and eggs, I will never know, because I always felt if you're prepping for a power outage, you'd buy things like beef jerky or even potato chips or bread. The bread made sense. But um, eggs with a power outage, I don't know. A lot of Rocky Balboas in that town. <laughs> yeah. I never could understand it either. It's the non-perishable stuff that I would be focusing on. But uh, So Allie's been putting together a lot of good stuff. And if you follow us uh, at our KOA page, um, then you would, you would have seen this already. Um, and I'll put links to those direct articles also in the comments of the show after the show. Well, let's go over some of the, I, I asked her to give me, um, if she could have been here, what were the main points that she, that she would want to talk about and share? I'm going to share those with you now. The first thing was uh, to get the Red Cross Hurricane app for your smartphone or your tablet um, and get it now before you lose power, obviously, because, you know, you can't really, well, you might be able to download it if you have data, but I'm pretty sure cell phone stuff will probably get overloaded and go down too perhaps. Um, and she wanted, she wanted me to share, if you have kids, get the Monster Guard app. Um, apparently, I haven't seen it, but apparently it's um, kind of a really cool way of uh, helping kids um, kind of weather the storm um, in a fun way. Um, it kind of helps teach them about the stuff in their area um, as far as being, you know, like weather related. I'll put the link for that down in the, the comments. Uh, the second thing was go to FEMA's flood map and get an idea of what your risk is. Uh, you can look up your address by typing it in the search bar at the top right of the page. It's on a slow server, but uh, she promises it'll, it, it'll load. It, it'll act like it's not going to load, she says, but um, it will. In the legend section, click on the content to the, on the left. Expand to the NFHL and unclick the and unclick the NFHL availability. And what it does, it creates a red overlay that makes it, makes it difficult to read the map. I don't know. That sounds kind of weird. But go to the link. I'm going to put the link down there. Um, go to that. Uh, the third thing is find the social media page that is most active for your county, city, um, whatever, whatever specific area you're in, whether you're in the county, or, you know, whatever the closest city is. Find a social media page that's most active for this. And I've seen these um, with the Texas, 
with the Hurricane Harvey, there was a there was a lot of pages set up for um, specific uh, in town or in county information that was more prevalent for them or relative to them versus you know somebody on the other side perhaps. Find this like I said, find the social media page that's most active for that for your area, your immediate area. Um, because these do a good job of keeping you updated on what shelters are opening. Um, they keep you updated on what what roads are being shut down or flooded, things like this. Um, if you're in Florida, we've helped you cut through the hardship of finding your county's best social media and shelter information. Um, and this was as of yesterday. She was able to compile this as of yesterday. So, of course, there's already a bunch of pages set up. Um, she's narrowed it down for you. Um, and that link will be in the description. If you or someone you know is in the affected region, regardless of whether or not they are in a flood zone, um, and if they have an urgent medical condition, ask them if they will have, ask them if they've made arrangements with emergency services for evacuation. Um, so people who have special needs, and I don't want to just say, I'm not just going to say special needs in the, in the traditional sense, someone is uh, handicapped or someone, um, you know, that kind of thing. If someone has, um, if someone's suffering from a life, uh, threat, potential life-threatening condition, you know, and if they don't get help immediately, they can, they, they have a thing set up to get them out. They'll come and help you get out or get them out um, of the area so that if something were to happen, you know, let's say uh, someone uh, has a real bad heart problems and they rely on particular medication and maybe, um, but it's something where they have to if they have an episode, they have to get to the hospital quickly. Well, of course, in the middle of a disaster, there's no quickly about anything. You're not getting to the hospital very quickly. Um, the police, the fire, uh, those guys, they're all really tied up trying to do rescues and, and things like that. So, you know, you're not going to get any help right away. Um, make sure that they've made arrangements uh, with those emergency services. They'll come and help get you out. Before, before you know, shit hits the fan. Um, if they haven't made a, made a plan, um, or they haven't contacted, you should really encourage um, encourage them and work with them. Um, if you can go get them, get them out of the area. You know, so. Um, but the, the the important thing is, is you know, the bottom line is people don't want to. They don't want to leave their stuff behind and they don't want to, you know, they feel like, oh, we've been through this before. We've done this before. Um, yeah, but you know what? If you're in a position where uh, you really shouldn't be trying to weather the storm um, because of some kind of uh, disability or uh, serious medical condition, you should really, really, really try to encourage them to get out. Um, and people can help them do that. Um, or you can go get them. Uh, Charles talked about this already. Um, but you should get at least, they recommend at least three days worth of water and non-perishable food. I always tell people to get seven days or yeah, five, well, actually five days. That's what I normally recommend for people. Always have five days, um, you know, water, uh, something else that, that you guys have heard a bunch uh, already, you know, clean out your sinks, sanitize your sinks, um, fill your pans, any kind of pans or pots in the house with water. You know, cover them up so they don't get uh, contaminated. Because worst comes to worst, that may be the only water that you have access to. Fill your bathtub, your sinks, that kind of stuff. Um, 
she recommends that we should get a portable phone charger with a good amount of batteries. Uh, what we saw in Hurricane Harvey was that the good deal of cell phone towers were fortunate to stay running during this time, and it can be very helpful to keep your contacts together. Utilize mostly texting and communicating with people to keep them updated on your status. And that goes, that goes without saying, because as, as you guys know, when there's a major disaster in an area, it's really hard to get, even if the cell towers weren't damaged, they get overloaded so fast and so hard that your calls just won't go through. Um, so she's, you know, of course, recommending using text. Or if you still have access to data, you know, stay up, stay up to date with uh, the social media stuff. Uh, finally, she recommends that don't trust the government to tell you when to evacuate. You should always evacuate ahead of time, as Charles was saying. You know, they keep saying it's going to hit Friday or Saturday, Sunday in some areas. You know, you don't have to wait for that. If you can get out now, I'm sure your boss will understand that you're trying to not die from a, from, from a hurricane. Uh, evacuate early. Evacuate ahead of time. You can, easy, you can even use the FEMA map um, that I talked about earlier to scout out locations if you need to. Um, if you, as Charles said, if you have friends, you know, uh, uh, away from the affected area, if you have friends, go visit with them. It's a good excuse to go see old friends. Uh, it, because this helps, obviously it helps you get out of the area early without, without a lot of traffic or a lot of uh, um, potential issues. Um, but that makes you one less car on the road. And that makes uh, you one less person in town that they have to worry about. So, um, let's see what else. And finally, if you're not in the affected areas and you have the ability, uh, the availability to do so, keep yourself open. When you see someone scared on social media because of what they're going through, do what you can to connect them with information. Share as much information with them as you can. They may not know how to. You know, I was telling Allie earlier, one of the main things that I noticed about Harvey um, was some of, the, some of the things I was seeing was that people were, were um, on social media uh, and they were freaking out because they didn't know where to go to get information. They were having a hard time putting it all together. So if you're not affected, you have friends in that area or, you know, um, like our page. Our page is open all the time. We keep as much information there as we can for people who are trying to get uh, an understanding of what's going on. Uh, let's see here. The Red Cross can help communicate with these people as well. We've also, seen, we've also seen complete strangers calling these people and talking to them to help them calm down while emergency teams get to them. Uh, the Let's Regroup team um, will keep information coming in throughout this crisis. If you need help finding information, just hit us up on, at the Knights of Awakening or let's regroup and we'll do whatever we can to get you the information. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to end here and, and say one thing. Allie is always, always on top of these, these um, uh, emergencies and crisis. I believe it's actually one of her college majors was crisis management. So um, let's see, I'm going to bring Charles back in here real quick. But, uh, yes, uh, you know, I was talking to Allie I was talking to Allie earlier, Charles, and, and, you know, she was so upset because, you know, she's like, it just sucks. All I can do, all I can do is just put information out there. All I can do is just, you know, gather up all this stuff. I want to be on the ground. I want to be there helping, you know, and, and like I told her, and, and, and you can speak to this for a second, but as I told her, you know, if, if that's, if that's all you can do because of whatever circumstances, then do that, do it because it does help people. 
I know how she feels. Like I said, I have a friend in Puerto Rico, and right now they're in the middle of it. And I looked at my wife and I said, is it bad that I just want to be down there at the front part of the island with my sword waving it at the storm? And she's like, no, that's that's no, that's just that's you. And I said, well, if I was there, maybe it would turn around. Um, the truth is, I probably couldn't have any impact on a storm that sized anyway. Uh, no, it's it's not bad. Everyone wants to do something about it. And oftentimes all we can do is, is stand and yell at it. Or stand and yell at everyone else and hope they hear us. It, it's the nature of it. And the thing is, right now, more than anything, where Allie would like to be is Puerto Rico. And not really, because in the middle of it, the only thing you are is an extra casualty, to be really honest. Um, and I don't care how good your training is. Even even if uh, you are, are mine and Allie's uh, mutual friend who is... Uh, special forces and able to do freaking damn near everything on earth, even if he were in the middle of this, all he would be is one more thing getting blown around in the wind. Um, so realistically, right at this moment, no matter how much you want to do, there's not much you can do other than give information because what are you going to do? Stand in front of it and swing your sword and yell at it. I mean, I would, but I'm stupid. Um, no, she was, she was talking more about uh, the fact that she wishes that she could, that she could, you know, volunteer at a shelter or stuff like that, you know, but she just, right. you know, for a lot of us who are not in the area, you know, we, we still have responsibilities. I have children that I still have to care for and feed and that's kind of hers too, you know, but, but, but the point I was dri- driving at um, is if that's the best you can do, then let's have it, give it, give it, give it well, your go because anything exactly. is better than nothing. Exactly. And the other point that I'm making is that right at this moment, there's nothing that anyone can do at all. Okay. Right at this exact moment, even an extra set of hands wouldn't help that much. Getting information out may help more than anything else. Um, If, you know, she were closer to the area and if she were in the affected area, that'd be a better way of putting it. Then her job would be closed down and it would free her to do these things. But this goes back to something we always talk about within nightly concepts. If you have to put yourself so far out that you destroy your life to save others, it's not really nightly because then you can help no one else after that. And what she's doing right now is the best that anyone can do, and it's what we've got to hope people will do and really what the best people can do. I I actually – believe it or not, and I know I never keep up on on things like this. This is the area that I'm least skilled in or – oftentimes least interested in, but I went through and checked through a lot of her links and a lot of her information pages that she posted on her, on her larger post, um, just to see what all she'd gathered up. And she's pulled together a ton of information. And really, if anyone out there is wondering what they can do, my advice is uh, social media, the crap out of that. Make sure that people are seeing it pop up on their walls, make sure it's hitting them in their email boxes. You know, if they have a smartphone, make sure that it's popping up on their smartphone on different media platforms than it was shared on to begin with. You know, if it got shared to Facebook, make sure it pops up on Twitter and make sure it pops up on everything. You know, right now, wanting to be able to put boots on the ground is admirable. At this exact moment, I don't think it would do any good uh, to have an extra set of hands right there. But I can also understand how you'd want to be able to do something after this passes too and not be able to. And I think that's also where Allie is coming from 
you know, you, you know that it's coming and you wish you could do something to help the people involved. And then you wish you could do more. And then, you know, it's going to pass through, you know, that that hurricane's not going to stay there forever. And then you also know that inevitably you're still going to wish you could be there to do something. And sometimes the only thing you can do is get people information, you know, realistically speaking. <clears throat> yep. And like I said, um, I'm going to put those links in the comments below. I'm also going to link you to the main articles that Charles was talking about. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Our sponsor this half hour is none other than the Rose Course Labyrinth. And I'm not going to try to do the commercial today. I'm going to let Charles do the commercial, and then I'm going to run us into a break. <laughs> All righty. The Rose Quartz Labyrinth, one of my favorite services to recommend to people is the, Divinini, Divinini, the Divination, in case you want to know how to pronounce it, and the tarot card readings under the Divination section. I, I feel that tarot card readings are one of the services that you can almost never go wrong with. They provide some insight into whatever it is you're dealing with in your life. They help you find a direction, and they help you find a bit of grounding in how to work through whatever it is that may be bothering you, be it a spiritual or a physical concern. In my opinion, the tarot card service is the one, one thing that I can always recommend and not have a second doubt as to whether or not I'm recommending the best of what we've got in terms of making sure that you're getting not just your money's worth, but you're not buying something that you don't need. And then afterwards, if you find that the tarot card reading or the other forms of divination do point you in the direction of a service with the rest of the site then recognize also in the front page that we offer an opportunity for a coupon just message me after you got the reading and say you know after this i felt that i would like to go this road could i please get my five percent coupon and i'll say yeah just let me print you one up so i really highly recommend our divination services like i said they're one thing that i can recommend with a completely clear conscience and i always say that I would rather not recommend a service to someone if I don't think they need it than recommend one and them not need it. So that's something that I can recommend even if I don't know what's going on. I can say, yeah, divination services are always good. Before we get going, I, I, I want to – I was laughing when Charles did that uh, that commercial for me for the Rose Force Labyrinth because uh, when I, I – if you heard the show from Monday – you heard that I was struggling really bad with the word divination. For the life of me, I could not say it. And I was trying to hold back a cough. And um, the person that was with me, Drew, who was with me um, the last episode, was giving me funny looks. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't say it for the life of me. I just could not say the word divination. So, so Charles was kind of poking at me there for a little bit, which is fine. But it's kind of cool to let him explain why tarot readings are good uh, to start with. Beware the Pied Piper. You wake up and you get a cup of coffee or tea, whatever tickles your fancy in the morning, whatever gets you up and gets you pumped. You sit down with the paper for us old guys, or maybe it's your phone or your tablet. You're sitting in front of your computer Wherever it is, wherever it is that you get your information from about the world and about the day. You start off, you start this process calm, sipping on your drink choice, and then it hits you like a 10 megaton bomb. Someone disagreed with me on the internet? 
Oh, that's that's not how it goes? Okay, let me try it like this. Someone said something that I disagree with. No, that's not right. Okay, let me try one more time. The whole world is going to end because someone told me it was. Beware the Pied Piper, my friends. Its song is enchanting and inviting. It fills the air with its intoxicating allure. It goes past the logical, thinking parts and goes right straight to your heart. You try and resist it first, but it's no use. It's taking control of your heart and then your mind. It makes you, ma it makes you break oaths and promises. It makes you go against your better nature. It causes you to forsake beloved friends and family. It turns the things that you love into the things that you now hate. The music is playing and you begin to march forward. And you have no idea where you're going. But in this bliss you do not care. Because all that matters is now how you feel. All that matters is to be a part of something greater than yourself. You're not concerned with logic and thinking. You're not concerned about how others feel or think. All you know is that you're not going to let anyone stop you from enjoying the beautiful music that fills your senses, taking you to a faraway land where only you and your feelings matter. The Pied Piper continues to play its song, guiding you to an unknown destination. But you don't care. Your, your feelings are still more important than anyone or anything. Your newfound sense of power and purpose leading you to a better place, a better existence. Your rights and freedoms are all that matter now and you will see them had, even at the expense of another person's right to live in peace. What do you think about that so far, Chuckles? Um, I think that's a pretty accurate representation of social media. Um, I think... There are a lot of people out there that have learned that all they've got to do is stir the pot hard enough and loud enough and somebody's going to listen. Or there are people out there that feel everything said everywhere has to be up for them to get involved in. And to be fair, I do it too. But I think we all do it. Mm -hmm. I think in our dire need to secure freedom of speech we become more than willing to step upon others' freedoms. And it, it's an interesting phenomenon that didn't exist when face-to-face -face communication was the norm. Uh, you know, social media is a remarkable thing. It really is. Now, growing up in a time where cell phones didn't even exist for people like me, like you had to be rich, but even then, cell phones... They didn't do anything close to what they do now. Um, I didn't even hold. I didn't even possess my my own cell phone for the first time until I was about nineteen or twenty years old. And I never imagined. I I never for a second believed or imagined that we would be able to share so much and so fast uh, that we could get people to come together over anything and everything in the blink of an eye, in the snap of a finger. You know. And what's ironic is, is that people should be empowered by so much information, right? The problem is, is that the information comes fast, but it comes loose. It comes fast and loose really, really hard. And that fast and loose information can be, can be a, a really bad thing if, if you don't apply you know, critical thought and critical thinking. If you just let it grab your heart 
and run you in a direction. It feels good, but it, it's not a good thing to do. Now, someone out there is going to say, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Don't you share information on your pages and videos? Uh, aren't you kind of talking about yourself here? Uh, yeah, well, as Charles said, uh, we do create, we do teach and share information. Uh, and I know I'm speaking for Charles here and Allie here too, and Derek, that I'm honest about it. I've said it more times than I can even remember that you should not take anything that I say as the gospel. You should always take what I say. Look deeper than what's on the surface, on what we're giving you. Um, no matter who it is. My job and Charles's job and Allie and Derek's job, our job is, as it has always been, to create conversations and to provoke thought. Uh, none of us are the end-all, be-all to everything. So, yeah, I do kind of fit in what we're saying here uh, but you should never take even what I say at face value you should look uh, beyond that there's a great axiom that fits this Ashley axiom number 90 before you can break free of negative or improper influences you must first recognize them the greatest lie ever told is the one that we tell ourselves uh, David is fond of saying that he says that all the time, and you know, even on the throughout the years, he said it more times than I can count too. You're going to do more harm to yourself than anyone else in the world could ever do to you if you allow them. But it's what you—it's your self-talk. It's the stuff that you lie to yourself about all the time. It's what's going to do the most damage. Pay attention to what you tell yourself. Now, the funny thing is, Charles, this topic could probably be timeless. I could probably do this once a year and I wouldn't have to change a thing because this is what we've gotten ourselves into with this fast and loose information. Well, Justin, you know, I think it goes back further than social media, but I think the support structures that used to exist to prevent things from becoming what they have have kind of degraded. There was a time because newspapers were the media through which you discovered the world around you. You know, the bigger world, the, the, the larger world, the planetary world, we'll call it, or the unified world. That you took what came through the newspaper with a grain of salt, and you looked at multiple newspapers. In fact, most people had a subscription to two newspapers that had varying viewpoints expressed, and most newspaper reporters really took it very serious that their job was to provide the facts, not the opinions. And if they had opinions, they would say, you know, the opinions expressed in this are just those of this reporter or this journalist. And now we don't have that so much. Our newspaper system is basically just a giant set of blogs done by people with better resources than most of us. And our, our social media is, a continuation of that somewhere along the line, the idea that you shouldn't present information without knowing all sides of a story kind of fell to the wayside, probably because it didn't sell more newspapers as they found that tabloids sold more newspapers became more like tabloids. And the result was that then the way we viewed dealing with these actions, these conversations and social media got influenced, I believe. 
Um, but that's only the uh, views of this reporter. <laughs> and with not a whole lot of fact to back it up, just a lot of uh, having watched the evolution of the media, I think what worries me more is not that it happens, but that it doesn't get questioned enough. You know, I've had people question this or that within a labyrinth show, and it's led to some really good conversations in comment sections um, or even inspired other shows to kind of hit on things where I felt I didn't cover things well enough. And yet, whenever you have a social construct of this where it's dealing with a person or a personality or an ideology, all of a sudden we got sacred cows that can't be addressed. And, and these cows move very loud. And these movers and shakers, if you will, tend to be dominated with two sides of the coin. One side, which will say this person is wrong because, and you never get the rest of that. And then you have another side that says, well, this person is right because, and you almost never get the rest of that either. The result being that people tend to then form camps. And if you are for this person idea or methodology, then you are good or evil. And if you're against them, then you're evil or good. And it's baffling to me how these camps form and then people stringently hold to them. Um, using the most recent and volatile and existing, and everyone will forget about this in 30 years, but we'll forget about it too. Um, our president is very uh, controversial. I, I don't think you disagree with me on that. Uh, it, it, it's the sense that his name comes with it controversy of some form, whether or not he's earned it. And that, that has become a thing in which if you make a statement that is in favor of something he has said or done, whether or not you're in favor with him in general, you are either very right or very wrong, depending on who you ask. And it astonishes me that it might not have very much to do with him as a person or with his policies beyond one thing. Um, I'll give a really good example of this. Someone made a really big statement uh, in a political cartoon about, I believe North Korea and our current president. And it was a very vulgar cartoon, but the primary point was that the two individuals on it, were measuring for power, we'll say. And a lot of people jumped up and agreed. I looked through the post to see what people had to say because I'm always looking for the other side of things. And someone wrote, and I had to fact check it afterwards, that uh, he didn't give his vote on intervention until the rest of the United Nations already had. Which no one seemed to want to address that after. It was just, well, how dare he, and he's just in this for power, and blah, blah, blah. Right after reading it, people even responded to the comment, well, that's not how it is. You know, he may have done that, but he's just in this to prove how you know big and tough he is. And I'm there going, you know, just taking on the information, it does change my perspective of him. And I don't like him, okay? That's the topper. I really don't. Um, I heartfeltly don't. But 
I've got to agree with his his reaction and his decision of waiting until the rest of the world weighed in, knowing the amount of power we have, knowing how much our decision carries. And that then supporting the rest of the world governments in an action that they're going to need the extra support? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that was a bad thing to do. In fact, while it doesn't redeem him, in my eyes, by any measure, it made me change the way I looked at that moment. Meanwhile, something like 80% of the people there, maybe 90%, were still yelling back and forth for one side or the other. And the louder one side yells, the louder the other can yell. Not really listening to what each other has to say, simply screaming at the top of their lungs in the hope that they will be heard before they die of their vocal cords giving out and ripping through their throat. That's what I've noticed. And it worries me. Because there was a time you brought up a decent argument to someone, and they had to at least think about it before replying. That it was considered part of the culture. And now, if someone brings up an argument against something you believe in, your immediate reaction in this society is to dive headfirst against that person. Or if they bring up something that you're in favor of, whether or not it's based on what you really want, but just because you're in that camp or that ideology, they're going to dive to support it. And if they can't find a good reason to support it, then uh, Nazis and or God and or Hitler. Yeah. Or a combination of theirs. They're up. Well, everybody, you, everybody loves Nazi God Hitler. I mean, come on. I've gotten into a lot of arguments about that. The sad part is, when I open my social media accounts these days, whether it's my personal one or the one for the KOA, the various different groups that we follow and interact with, I see a lot of people. People that I know are very smart and very articulate. And I see them spreading hate and discourse. Out of ignorance, sometimes out of willful ignorance, but usually out of just general ignorance because they don't fact check stuff because they just, because it feels good to throw that punch at, you know, I'll show you, you know, but they're just spreading lies and slander and misinformation. It's that fast and loose stuff, fast and loose. It comes fast, hard, but it's loose and it's usually not true. From all sides of the aisle. People, the same people that I've seen swear oaths and make promises to uphold codes and mantras. And, you know, they're now encouraging violence in the name of some misguided sense of empowerment. They've suddenly woke up to a new purpose. At the same time, preaching those very codes and oaths and promises from the side of their mouths. Out of the side of their mouths. And you know what? I didn't intend for this to be political. And I didn't intend for any particular generation of human beings to be singled out or targeted, which I really haven't. But I know a lot of minds are going to shift towards, you know, this quote-unquote millennial generation. I'm not. I'm talking about all of us because we are all capable of doing this very thing that we're talking about because as we are made we are bound to this very creation all of us together we all think and feel things we all have dreams and aspirations we all have prejudice in that we all have things that we prefer and things that we do not there is something else that we all have in common 
and that is that we have no control over the conditions to which we were born into. None of us can control that. None of us. People seem to be giving away their power, though, jumping at shadows in these you know, so-called boogeymen that never even existed in someone's mind until someone else told them that, that this boogeyman existed. And the fact is, Charles, every single one of us have the power to allow or reject influences from others. Only you have the power to influence your feelings and emotions. Only you can give that power away to someone else. I don't know why people do this, but don't trust others to control how you feel. Trust only yourself with this. But you have to stop lying to yourself. You have to stop letting your emotions and your heart lead you down a road that is never going to end well for you. If you allow others to dictate your feelings and your emotions, you only have yourself to blame. You are the one that is to blame for, your, for whatever condition you end up with after you do this. So who is this piper? Who follows the piper? Charles and I, Charles probably don't remember this, but he helped me come up with some of these statements. And we have a few ideas of, of who is this piper. And I'll go over each of these. And Charles, if you have something that you want to add, then just raise your hand. I can see you. They can't see you. <laughs> They are the hypocrites who preach the loudest about love and compassion and mercy and acceptance and peace. Yet they are the same who condone hate and destruction of innocent people by their words and actions. These very same hypocrites who they themselves are not accepting of others unless they too follow the piper. They are the hypocrites who say, you are what you think you are, man yet publicly deny others because of disagreements based on opinion and affiliation. These people lack emotional integrity and maturity. That's what you'll notice in these kind of people. You're also going to notice a theme between Monday's show and today's show. I did a show called The Masters of Bullshit. You're going to start seeing a common theme here because these people are also the masters of bullshit. These are the same people that, that hypocritically preach and teach codes of ethics, yet bully and disparage others who can't hear the piper's call and who follow its lead and, and who refuse to follow its lead down the road to oblivion. These are the very same hypocrites who by their very words and actions uh, defy the very thing they are quote-unquote fighting for. I guess I can't blame them. Because I don't know what causes them to do this. But I'm not going to join them either. As I have said, the song that the piper plays is intoxicating for those who choose to allow their emotions to guide their actions. I have chosen not to give away my power. I have chosen to employ my mind and to use reason and logic to guide my words, actions, and judgments. By the way, those who follow the piper should take great care in knowing how that story ended. With those people, two things. Number one, they are always the people that benefit from the masses moving in a direction. They're the ones that already have power, and the only thing they fear is losing it. They're the ones you're already listening to. They're the ones that you believe in as it stands, 
and in that have already invested some of your power into. They're the ones that already have the vast resources and yet don't really walk in the daylight, as it were. They are the ones that you will never see them make the public statement, but they always have the power to influence public policy. They are people that, when they are in public, as you said, they're going to preach of love and good and kindness. But most of all, they're the ones that recognize the power of fear. You made the statement, no one can make you feel anything. And that's only partially true. We are, by our nature, empathic beings. We feel. But no one can make you react on that feeling and let that feeling become the whole of your reality when you have the ability to make choices as to how you're going to act and how you're going to let your next set of thoughts think after your first set. This is something I talk about a lot in mysticism and a lot in self-control. And I talk about it with the few students that I do have privately uh, more than you could possibly imagine. And it's this. You cannot control the very first thought that enters your mind. Part of that's conditioning. Part, and you can change that conditioning over time. But the initial thought you cannot control, the initial feeling, is there. You, however, have the ability as witness to that feeling, as witness to that thought to determine where you're going to run with it. You can feed it. You can let it control you. You can let it dominate you. You can let it become the active force in your life. Or you can start taking the steps of shutting it down and then asking why that other person tried to put that feeling there. Now, you look at this show as an example. We are Pied Pipering in our own way, but we're doing it with a very specific purpose and we're very honest about it. We want you to awaken that part of you that sees what's going on. So we're inspiring you with our words. We're taking a tone that gives you hope and makes you feel strong and brings about those emotions. And you should be aware that we're doing it. You should watch us do it. Because in that, you're also going to see how the exact opposite method is used. When someone makes you feel fear, when they make you feel worry, when they make you feel self-doubt. Because... Right after that, you've got to make the decision. Do I want this person's influence to have power over me? Or do I not? With us, I would hope to think that what you're seeing us do, you're going to say, all right, yeah, no, this is good for me. But hey, if you don't like it, then don't. You know, you can choose to go into any camp or, in, or into no camp whatsoever, which is the camp I'm hoping you vote for. Um, because frankly put, that's what we're about. That's what we're doing. We want you to wake up. And to see how this works. And we know we're doing it. Because that's human interaction. We're not going to say that it's wrong to do it. But when you do it on such a mass scale. And you use raw fear. One of the most negative emotions. One of the ones that's most powerful. To control people in that way. And to manipulate them. That's where we. As Knights of Awakening. Tend to take great exception to what you're doing. We believe that manipulation through fear. Through trickery in that way is not valid and is not viable because in the long term, all it does is create people that are looking for an enemy to harm or to kill. And this isn't the first generation that did it. In fact, this happens in every, every part of history, every part of the world. The best example that came to mind when you were saying this, you said you didn't want to pick one us here and now. And I, have a passing interest in World War II. And anyone who knows me knows when I have a passing interest in things, I get to be a little bit of a history buff. Um, I don't have much for the geography, but I have a lot for the politics. And I have, I have enough of a passing interest, especially in how the Japanese culture was made to be perceived by the United States. 
I've looked at a lot of cartoons, a lot of commercials, a lot of media, and I reached a common point. There were three things that people hit on in order to control the population and make them hate those damn people over there. The first one was differences. By emphasizing the difference between you and the other, which was done extensively during World War II propaganda, you're able to create a sense of unity among one group of people to go after the other. The second was fear. And this fear wasn't necessarily of the differences, but it was by building up what the other side could do, would do, was well known for. It doesn't matter if you have anything to support the information. As soon as you tell someone that a gun is pointed to the back of their head, they're going to look. And you know what? The worst part is, if you can convince them that that gun is there, they'll be sure of it. If you have gained their trust and you tell them the gun is there, they may not turn around out of fear that a trigger is going to be pulled. And they may do everything in their power to disarm the person behind them. This is the manipulation. This is the illusion. The last thing that I noted was that when those things didn't work, then they bought into the idea of the hero, the heroism of those fighting against this terrible person. They used culture and counterculture and made those who stood in one way or the other to be a hero. And this, this may be the most manipulative the most tricky the most deceitful of the methods because we all want the hero to exist we all want to praise the hero and then we all hope to one day be the hero and we're inspired to act as the hero does so by making the concept of the hero being this person that does this otherwise vulgar or evil or terrible thing you then inspire people to follow it and that's from world war ii and that's without facebook or myspace or twitter or 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 LinkedIn or oh gods you know these better than I do I'm less social than anybody. That's without any of these. That's with just newspapers and television and radio. And before that, it was pamphlets and drawings handed out. Before that, it was books that were written about those people over there, the savages that did this or that, and how you couldn't trust them. And it all boils down to the dehumanization of someone else. If you have someone up there and they're yelling about how inhuman someone else is and how you should fear them, be really weary because I'm telling you, you should fear no man on earth or woman, except for Justin. He should fear his wife um, because there is no force on earth that should be feared. You should stand proudly and bravely. Because in that, then you can evaluate each individual you come across. And I have met many people that stand on the opposite side politically, socially, morally, and ethically from me. And in not fearing them, many times we've found common ground. And I have met people, I am ashamed to say, who match my, mor my other moral standings. They match me politically. They agree with me socially. And yet, I find them deplorable individuals out to cause harm in my world, in my society. And it worries me that if I were someone else too willing to agree with someone just because we hold similar ideals, that I might be taken in by those Pied Pipers. Indeed. And at the end of this, if you felt a great deal of butthurt welling up in you, 
after hearing this segment of the show, then maybe it's you. I don't know. Maybe it's you. I have some specific folks in mind that helped inspire this piece. I'm not going to name them because most of you know them or know of them. I'll let you decide. I'll let you decide. Have you guys ever heard of the International Fellowship of Chivalry now? I did a, an interview uh, last year with the founder, Dean Jacques. I'm going to tell you what it is because I'm going to feature a piece later on in the show uh, from Dean that kind of hits home a lot of good information and a lot of good perspective for those would-be knights out there. But the IFCN is a worldwide fellowship of diverse people who are committed to healing our wounded culture by returning what was lost, an updated mixture of Western realism and idealism for today's world. Its founder, Dean Jacques, is the author of Chivalry Now, The Code of Male Ethics, and The Deeper Quest. The webpage is very rich with information and learning opportunities. If you don't check it out, you're depriving yourself uh, of something wonderful. I tell you, I spend a lot of time over there when I'm not slaving away at the KOA. As you may already know, we like to explore a variety of perspectives here at the KOA. Just a quick glance of any of our pages will tell you that between your comments and posts over our discussion page on, on Facebook, to the few hundred videos, I think it's closer to 300 videos now, posted by myself, Charles, Derek, or Ali, uh, to the almost, uh, I think we're like 183 shows here on Blog Talk, and that's not even counting the other couple hundred video or a couple hundred shows that we used to do that's now lost to us. All of those things point to the fact that we like to mix it up across the spectrum. And today, as I strive to share that diversity of content and perspective found at the KOA, I wanted to share with you something that Charles, who is over here, of course, um, who is the host of the Labyrinth, uh, something that he wrote called The Mystic Night. And it can be found at our main KOA page, and I believe we shared it to the discussion page too. And I know, Charles, you did a video on this, uh, a standalone video, but I wanted to kind of read through what you wrote so folks can follow along with us. But this is one of my favorite things that Charles has ever written, and Charles has written a lot of stuff, and Charles has put out a lot of content, but this by far is one of my favorite things he's ever done. And the reason why is because the perception of the word knight, it gets kind of, it's kind of broad, right? So some people think of King Arthur. Some people think of large scale battles between this kingdom and this kingdom. Or they think of what they see on Game of Thrones or whatever. But the point I've always tried to hammer down is that it doesn't matter what background you come from. It doesn't matter what path you practice. What is knightly in a person is that solid foundation. The very basic solid foundation. I said it on Monday. That kind of ties in with the Masters of BS and it kind of ties in with the Pied Piper. That if you build your foundation with crappy ingredients, with crappy materials... It will shake, it will crumble, and you will fall flat on your face every single time, I promise you. If you build it on things that aren't solid. 
And this is why I said on Monday that you should build your temple on top of a base that is solid. And any light-oriented religion, any light-oriented spirituality, any light-oriented path or philosophy will give you that very basic foundation. Because at the base, they're all pretty much the same. But what I love about this article is, is that it comes from the heart of a person who is both knightly, but who is also a mystic. Not only by practice, but by profession. And this is something you don't see a lot. Because people like to tear things apart from each other. They like to put things in boxes. I can tell you that not only is a mystical knight possible, but we have, we have examples of it everywhere. You just got to stop tearing things in half and you got to stop separating. So this is, this is a small little article written by Charles. Um, it's probably going to be weird for him to hear me read it, but I want to read through it and, uh, and then we'll speak about it. The Mystic Knight by Charles McBride. This is not the full of what I want to write on this before my days are done. No, this is just me whetting my appetite for future writings on what this means, why it is important, and how one walks this path. With that, here goes. The mystic knight is a different breed of knight entirely. We are often not the front line of any conflict, yet we more often than not are the deciding factor. When we do take the front line, then we move with force. The rest of the time, we are the background force in the world around us. We are a generalist in a way, a knight who focuses on much more than just the forward battle charge. We are found healing the sick and wounded. No matter the battlefield, be it emotional or physical one, we are the ones called upon to dress the wounds. We are the mental warriors, but not always does this mean we fight a war using only our mental powers. Instead, we are called upon more often than not to solve a problem, to put into effect a plan. We are the wise ones asked to make a greater difference in the world. As a mystic knight, people come to us to solve the problems they cannot solve. Often what they come to us for, though, is worse than that. They come to us for the hard truths. This means we can never be untrue to ourselves. We must instead be rooted in the truth, certain of our soul and directed toward making a positive change in the world. We, ultimately, are those who do what other knights can't. We are called upon to be everything, to everyone, in every way, for the mystic is nothing if not proficient in many things. We fill the role left vacant by specialists who are not there. We are healers when no healer is present, a shield wall for those who are in pain, an avenger to those who cause harm and a soothing pool of wisdom and knowledge. This is a hard path to walk for anyone. The strain of this path causes most mystic knights to often be harsh, yet kind. It causes us to be bitter, yet hopeful. It causes us to take on many sides of a coin right up to the moment that we see what it is we must do. The mystic knight has no room in their life for certainty until they have no room in their life for doubt. This is the nature of the mystic who has taken on the knightly path. It is a harder path to walk for many, and yet easier for some. Some are called to this path. They are drawn inexplicably to the arts of the mystic, the mind frame of the ever-learner, and the goal of the wise. For these people, it is not enough to say, well, I tried my best, 
It is only enough to lay exhausted knowing that they had given all they can, not just of mind and body, but also of soul. Mystic knights are soul warriors, burning through their own self and sense of self to make a difference in the world that often has no hope. They are people who refuse that state. They look at the reality of hopelessness and decide that if there is no hope, they shall create hope. They look at the impossible and determine that there must be a way. For the mystic knight, it is more than books, more than energy, and more than a name. It is a calling into the heart to make a difference in the world. It is the dire need to have done all that one can do to not just walk upon the path, but to have the path within the soul. So, so looking back on this piece from the time you wrote it, which was probably, what, two or three months ago or a month ago? What, a couple months ago? Um, you know, the best part is we have it listed up there. It was in June, so three okay, months ago. Okay, a couple months, yeah. In fact, three months ago to the day. Oh, wow. How weird is that? It, it was that? June 6th, and it is, it is now uh, September 6th. Three months ago that? to the so day. So looking back, maybe you can explain you know, where your heart was when you were writing this. Because it, it does kind of seem like you are saying that the Mystic Knights are the greatest and the rest of us suck. I'm just kidding. That's not what you, I know that's no. not what you meant. But um, Actually, what I'm saying more than anything is that we too are knights. And that may sound... Funny to say it. Well, the title Mystic Knight alone should should say it, but there are many who see a mystic who is a mystic knight, and all they see is the mystical part. They don't see the knightly drive. And I feel that all knights have many, if not most, of these qualities within them. The mystic knight is different only in that with the nature of the way our tools are, and the w- nature of the way we deal with situations and problems we never feel that it's enough because the very nature of mysticism, the very nature of the spiritual, that you could put a few more minutes in, a few more hours in, a few more days in towards solving a problem, towards finding a solution. We always have the heavier burden to do more, to be more. Likewise, we're also the most intangible. We are the ones that it's hardest to explain what it was the mystic did. Because at the end of the day, we can explain the what, but we often can't explain the how. Where my heart was when I wrote this, I look at a world where the mystic knight is dying. We're forgotten about. We've been tossed aside as being unimportant. The physical knight will always be needed. You're always going to see people want to be the physical knight or want to embody the characteristics thereof. And even in today's society, I would say the, the knight that takes the political battleground is always going to want to be followed on some level. They're the people that inspire. The mystic, not so much sometimes. We often are viewed as a subset that doesn't bring anything to the situation, despite the fact that we're the ones that do a lot of the upkeep for others. So, in part, I wanted to touch on it, as I said, to wet my whistle, because somebody asked me to write a bigger bigger part of this, which I'm still kind of getting my head wrapped around, and this was the first part of that. This was getting my mind wrapped around the next piece of writing um, for a certain book that's to be coming out. 
But more than anything, I want to inspire people that are Mystic Knights to not simply give up the knightly aspect. Because more often than not, they do. In whatever cultures or communities they're in, they don't often feel as needed, at least in my experience, and they often go away. I've been in a couple of different nightly communities, and I've watched the mystics go from being a majority to a minority. And then even those that are claiming the title often don't focus on mysticism. They focus on uh, religious studies, which I don't think covers it. I think to be a mystic knight, you have to be a practicing mystic. And I think you've got to look at all of this and not see this as a badge of honor. Because none of this is all that great. None of this speaks to how awesome and amazing you are. No, it says this is what you're going to have to do. It says that when everyone else says, I gave up until my body gave out, you are going to have the, the charge put upon you. That that's not enough. You're going to have to to go until your body gives out and then go until your soul does too. When you lay there fairly certain that you're dead, then you can give up. But not quite. You have to wait until you've at least created hope. At which point, if you've not created hope and you're laying there and certain that you're dead, then get up. You're not done yet. Because you've got the tools. It's your burden at that point. Where a knight that fights on the physical battlefield, his end comes when his body can do no more. Someone will pick him up and carry him back to a hospital or a tent or somewhere, assuming that they don't die, and they will be given time to heal. For the mystic, when you are certain that you can do no more, you will have to do more, whether you want to or not. No matter how bad it hurts, it's your job to do more. And no one will see it. No one who does not practice the arts of mysticism and I mean practice them with intensity. No one who does not understand the challenges as a mystic knight is going to understand what you went through. And you will get no thanks. You will get no praise. No one will pat you on the back. And yet you still have to do it. Because someone has to, and you've got the skill set for it. In many ways... I see doctors go through the same thing, but doctors are an honored profession. I see a definite bias against the mystic knight in the modern world. And this was to inspire those that have it in their heart to take it up, but to also warn them. You take this up and don't expect any uh, ticker tape parades. Expect that no one will remember what you did. And yet it will be even more important that you did it. That's what was in my heart. That and also one other belief that I, I didn't express in there well enough. I believe that every night has this in them to some degree. I believe that it is a core level of what it means, especially as the Knights of Awakening is beginning to form this concept. I don't believe that a physical knight gets to slack on this completely. I don't believe they necessarily have to be the same level of expert in mysticism that I am. Um, but I'd hold them to the same level of expertise that you are. And 
you and I both know that's not insubstantial. But why would I set that as a requirement? Because without that, they're going to miss these key components of being able to give everything they've got until there's nothing left to give. So I expect it of all knights, but of the mystic knight, this is the job description. Whereas for, for a knight within the physical, a guardian knight, if you will, is I think one of the terms we were talking about at one point, they still have all of this too, but their primary function is a physical steel against steel, if you will, when the fighting starts. So that's that's where that's where I'm at from this. I don't I don't think uh, we're exactly I don't think Mystic Knights should be envied uh, or pitied for that matter. Um, but I think that's often misunderstood. You know what I seen when I first read this? Something that I would have read when I first entered the Jedi community all those years ago. Because it was a it was a it was an idea that wasn't foreign back then. It was almost an idea that was almost mandatory that a Jedi Knight was in our world part mystic also. You know, and that that certainly has died. That certainly has died. It not only died, and this is just my opinion, but correct me if I'm wrong, I don't see a whole lot of talk about mysticism uh, as it relates to the Force as we used to 10 years ago, for example. And it doesn't seem, well, it doesn't seem like it just died. It seems like it was dragged to the ground, got the shit beat out of it, and then died. That would be accurate. And there's a reason for it. As the question of Jedi as a path or a religion or as an ideal has been revolving and resolving itself time and time again, the masses get to make the decision. The, the greater the number of votes get to sway a direction, whether or not that direction was the core of the inspiration or would even be the way we would look at things back 10 years ago. It is easier to define the force as a personal experience. And if it's a personal experience, then you can't quantify any abilities or skills within it, nor can you ask people to train within it because any training within it is very subjective. You can ask that they say they're doing something and that whatever they say they're doing meets their personal requirement. So if we'll take, um, we'll take unskilled prayer for 100 there, uh, Justin. Unskilled prayer, the act of simply asking for something to a higher power and then walking away from it. Where the original Jedi and thereby the original Jedi mystics who were Jedi mystic knights back at the time would have to train in raw energy work, which was more akin to Eastern mysticism and yet have a good enough grounding in Western mysticism to understand why manifestation takes place the way it does and then be able to utilize the force towards that benefit. Now it is easier to set up the requirement that they meet a personal dogma, a personal uh, doctrine of achievement. And with unskilled prayer, as the example, 
all it takes for one to prove that they have achieved unskilled prayer is to pray. And that is their spiritual connection. Or to sit in meditation. Zazen, even. And as much as I love Zazen, that's not the complete picture. I think Zazen is one of the strongest, best tools in learning how to clear the mind and mysticism and better understand the self. I don't think it's the end-all be-all. And yet, for many now it is, because that is the direction that was easiest to go. The Marshall went with it, though, to be really fair. Um, we lost the Mystic Knights, but we also lost the Marshall Knights as well. Not only have we had to put down our staves, but we've had to put down our swords. Where there was a time when anyone in that community would have called themselves a Jedi and would have taken the term Guardian or Warrior or Protector. What was the other one that we used at one point? We did use Sentinel at one point, I think, for that. Yeah, and Consular. Consular was the, was the mystical, yes. Yeah. But anyone who was going to take on this ideal of the physical, you know, the physical guardian, was still expected to know the mystical well enough that they had been honing their extrasensory so they could at least work with their own intuition on something more than just, you know, hey, my gut finally told me something right, but honing it to a fine art and honing their energy to better their physical abilities they were expected at least that within the physical they were if they said that they trained in the marshal they were expected to be training in the marshal they were expected to be effective in it they were expected to be able to defend themselves and others now the requirement is that they do something you know physical you know it could it could be lifting weights which i'm a big proponent of um it could also be taibo uh, it could also be Tai Chi with no combat application. And I don't mean that Tai Chi has no combat application. I mean not taking up the tom combat application forms. Um, it could be dance or ballet. It could be baseball or football. Though I think I would grant baseball having a much higher self-defense option. At least with the bat, you stand a chance. <laughs> um, we tossed that aside as a community because it allowed us to bring more people in. We tossed it aside because more people yelled for it. But I think we also tossed it aside because it made it easier for people to assume points of power in the community. After all, if there's no standard, it's really easy to be at the top of that pyramid. All you have to have, do is have some standards then. And I think that's part of what we've witnessed. And I think it is the death kneel of the mystic knights, but it's also the death kneel of the martial knights in the Jedi community because they're frowned upon. Well, what do you mean? You think that your martial arts makes you a better knight because you can protect people. Well, yes, yes, I do think it makes me a better knight because I can protect people. I thought that was part of what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, no, no, no. That's just one way to do it. And that's fair. It is just one way to do it. But when you start to degrade others for going that one way and you start to make it frowned upon to go that one way, it's very easy to redirect people and it's very easy to lose that. I am no longer in the Jedi community. This, if you're listening to this and you're part of the Jedi community, I think that's great and uh, lots of love to you. And if this inspires you to pick up your Boken and train again, or to do a meditation, not just Zazen, although I think it's a great meditation, 
to harness greater levels of energy internally and to do something with the Force, I think that's fantastic as well. But I will tell you this. I am not part of the community because I don't see anything of value coming out of it right now. I see it as a detriment to my good name to be associated with it too much. Because there are no mystics left in it, and that is what I am doing. That is what I am known for. There's not really that many martial left in it either. The martial Jedi, or the Guardians, have been silenced. They've been silenced by the philosophers, because it is really easy to fake a, philosoph a philosophical understanding of a principle. It is really easy to quote every grand master of the art of philosophy and every Zen Cohen that comes your way. It is so easy to sit there on your pillow and talk about how far you've come, all that you know, and quote dozens upon dozens of other people. And then when asked how that impacts you in your life, to simply circle logic your way back around and go, well, it is obvious that it's use because it has brought me great value. You need more than that. But that's the direction people are going to go. We're coming up to the half hour or half hour left in the show. Um, I guess I'll end this with this. I know Charles said that it doesn't seem like there's any of you left out there. And not just in the Jedi community, but in other communities, a lot of other communities. And I don't want to just pick on them because I see this. I travel in many circles. I travel through many cities, if you will. If you will. And these cities being different philosophical and different schools of thought. Whether it be mystical, whether it be just straight philosophy, Jedi, martial, um, other knightly orders. I travel through a lot because I like to, I, I like to commune with others. And, but I see this in lots of other places too. At the end of it, look, I know that you're still out there. I do. I believe that you're still out there. But I understand that you've been kind of suppressed and pushed down. It's time for you to stand up and be heard. That's all I'm saying. Stand up and be heard. Because what we're saying at the end of the day is you can... You can't be knightly by using the basics, by, by standing on that foundation, by being driven by a strong moral compass and still do other things all the time at the same time. I know you can be a mystic and a knight at the same time because I'm talking to one right now. So earlier in the show, I kind of gave you guys a taste of the, inner, uh, the Fellowship of Chivalry Now. And I did that to kind of give you an understanding of what we're going to be talking about here um, in this last segment of the show. It's an article that was shared with us by our good, good friend, longtime friend. This guy's been with us from the beginning, from day one. Our brother, Grail Knight, shared this to our discussion page. And it's called The Secret of Today's Knighthood. And it was written by Dean Jacques of the International Fellowship of Chivalry Now. And I'm going to read through this. And I may stop uh, here and there to kind of comment. I may not. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. You want to be a knight. You've studied the literature and adopted the 12 trusts. Perhaps you've received some sort of accolade as a rite of passage. 
but something's wrong. You don't feel like a knight. You're not convinced. You really are one. No one seems to recognize or honor it. The world you live in is filled with technology experts, financial planners, politicians, clerks, factory workers, doctors, lawyers, carpenters, plumbers, teachers, etc. But no knights. With whom can you identify? Historical or fictional characters from the Middle Ages? Some religious order or civic group? Maybe reenactors? Or just your imagination? The popular image of a knight dressed in armor and wielding a sword no longer exists as a reality. That ancient profession is now extinct. And therein lies the problem. You cannot really be a knight unless you perceive yourself as one. And even then, the world will not acknowledge you as such. That doesn't mean it can't be done. Your expectations have to change. More is required than what the world sees as an outdated title. If you want to be a knight, like most things worthy of effort, you have to do it yourself. The old-time aristocracy associated with knighthood has been replaced by democracy. And that's a good thing. Noble castles have been replaced by skyscrapers, denoting a shift away from chivalry and toward business acumen. We develop ourselves less and amuse ourselves more. The mandate of upholding moral standards has dramatically declined as the appeal of the anti-hero gives us a free pass. Convenient technologies reduce hardships at a cost of self-discipline. We would rather entertain ourselves to death rather than fight for a good cause. Everyday heroes are no longer needed. We have professional soldiers and police to keep us safe. Ego statements, selfies, and bank accounts now define us, but without substance, leaving us empty. It almost feels like the world has conspired against any knightly ambitions. In a way, it has. All the more reason to reclaim them. We know that the world, while hindering our progress, has desperate need for the heroic qualities that knighthood fosters. I don't need to convince you of that. You feel it in your bones. Or you would not be reading this. The world mourns the loss of a moral advancement. Greed has poisoned men's souls, and only a cultural remedy will do. The urge of conscience that we feel calls out for the values of knighthood. Still interested in finding a way to perceive yourself as a knight? It depends on what you're willing to do to become one. You start by changing your life accordingly. If you choose action over complacency, your change of perception will at least be some, based on something real. I'm going to stop it right there, Charles, and we'll talk about some of the some of the first things. This kind of goes hand in hand with your piece on the mystical night, where things were kind of lost, and you know you're not going to get you're not going to get a, a reception dinner. You're not going to get a pat on the back. Nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to say, "Oh, well, good for you. You're a knight. Are you sick?" Are you crazy? You know, um, well, but that's not the reason to push yourself towards this, is it? No, it's not. And we mentioned, you know, our mutually shared uh, community with the Jedi community and a couple other nightly ones. Um, within this piece also, it speaks of self-improvement and betterment. I found it very interesting I did a little experiment. You're, you were in on this um, 
where I took Knights of Awakening's nightly posts, your philosophy or my philosophy, whichever was up at the time, and I distributed it to the pagan and magic communities. And we had more attention, more hits, likes, shares, everything, more positive feedback than we had ever seen before. So I should say that I still think the knights are out there. I still think mystic knights are out there. And I think it's this striving and this need to self-define that pushes us as knights, especially with this piece. It speaks on, we're looking for something that no one else can hand us. And in that, it is the search that makes it valuable more than anything else. You know what I love about this piece so far is that much like other communities where the trend seems to be more, it's more important to gather a name. It's more important to grasp at a title. It's more important to be known for being this or being that. So far, what we've read is nobody's going to acknowledge that. Nobody's going to pat you on the back for that. But you can still be that. You can still embody the spirit of a knight, one who serves. You can be that even when the rest of the world is never going to give you any kudos for that. The word knight does inspire us in a direction. But it's not the word that is most important. It is the embodiment of what that means. So to continue on with this article, what are you willing to do to be a knight? I've seen the accolade given, and nothing changed at all. This was followed by an inevitable disenchantment with knighthood. People expect that the title itself will change them, make them stronger, more significant in the eyes of others. But it does not. It is your response to the title, or more properly, your commitment that makes you a knight. Dedication decides everything. If you find yourself slipping, try harder. True knighthood is not for the asking. It takes work. That's what makes it worthwhile. Talk less and listen more. Be honest, but not hurtful. Be courteous, but never deceitful. Respect truth by always learning more. Be generous. Help those who are in need. Support good causes so that the world gains by your existence. Treat others fairly. Always speak out against injustice. Consider studying a martial art. The confidence, self-discipline, and physical skills makes a marked difference. Take care of your health. Refuse to take illegal drugs. Refuse alcohol and tobacco as well if you really want to stand out. Good hygiene helps project the nightly image. Maintaining emotional stability, especially during times of stress, is a sign of strength. Learn to forgive. Do not hesitate to seek forgiveness as well. It will liberate your conscience for positive action. Resist conventional wisdom by loving yourself less and others more. Appreciate the mystery of life. Discover the strength that comes from humility. Accept failure by learning from it. And try again. Put fun aside and discover joy. Fulfill all your responsibilities without regret or hesitation. Uh, I was just saying that, that the title, people, and this goes for a lot of communities. I'm not, I'm not just going to pick on the Jedi either. But 
there's this point where you, you do the work and you pass the test and you get put through the trials and bam, I made it, I made it and oh wow, they're calling me, they're calling me a Jedi Knight or they're calling me a Knight or they're calling me a Sorcerer Supreme, whatever. I don't feel any different. Why, why did I do all this hard work? Nobody else cares except for my friends or my peers, those who I commune with, right? Nobody cares. Why did I do all this? Why, Charles? Why? Because you still believe. It's the whole reason we're both here. It's the reason we continue to remind people. We know they're still out there. We know they're still knights that are doing this and know that it's a burden, not a reward. You know, I gave a speech at a Jedi uh, gathering, a knighting once, based off of a speech that was given to me. And I actually gave the speech twice. Um, and most people won't remember it or won't care to remember it because as the community has fallen out of favor with me, I've fallen out of favor with it. It's kind of a double-edged sword. But I reminded everyone that knight is not a title. It's a job description. It's a burden. Anyone who thinks being knighted means something great and wonderful for their life must have a great degree of love for challenge and difficulty. Because the only thing that it does is ensure that people will see you as the kind of person that can deal with the problems at hand. That's what it boils down to at the end of the day. It means you're taking on a path to become that person who deals with the problems. But it's not a bad road to go, and it is rewarding. It is rewarding. And, you know, I guess at the end of this, uh, before I finish the rest of the... There's only a little bit left in the article here. That to, to do the work, to practice, to walk the talk, to get to the point where others recognize a knight within you there there is one thing that separates those who are truly knightly and those who are not and and i won't even have to say anything more than what i'm going to tell you and you will know those who i'm talking about and those who i'm not okay at the end of it once they receive the title of knight those who are truly knightly continue all the work they did to get there even after they received the title. Those who, if, who, those who take the title and then go back to who they were before they started the trials, before they started the hard work, before they started the practice, those are not. Because once they receive that word, once they receive that title, and it didn't grant them superpowers, then they just give up. And I'm going to finish this here. Believe in humanity, despite all its shortcomings. Contribute your own efforts towards virtue. Follow no one who is without personal honor. Better yet, follow no one at all. Lead by example and through inspiration. Become today's hero every day, instead of waiting for someone else. With all this in mind, do you still want to be a knight? If yes, then tell yourself, this is what knights do, and then do it. That was great. That was inspirational. I uh, put a comment over at their Facebook page um, after I read it. 
and let them know that I was going to be, you know, talking about this. And out of respect, I don't really want to talk about it so much because it's so on point. You know, I, I don't, I, I, I can't, I couldn't add anything to this if I wanted to. For me, it's spot on. Any final words uh, about that, uh, yeah. that piece, Charles? Yeah, um, but not a whole lot uh, because I'm in the same boat that you're in. I, I read it right after you had uh, shared it, and it really hit me as the core of what I had expected from the Jedi community, uh, what I still expect. Expect? Demand. There, that's the word I'm looking for. But also what we've been championing at Knights of Awakening and Ashlandites for as long as I can now remember these organizations existing or me being any part of them. And it hit me that, you know, there are people out there that get the message that they understand what it means. And you take everything that is in that piece and you apply it to everything I've said about what it takes to be a mystic knight. And it's almost echoing back and forth the same sentiment, which as I, as I was saying, I may be too harsh sometimes, especially when you spring the word Jedi on me, you know, you know what that does, that word does to me anymore. Um, I may be too harsh because I truly believe that there are knights out there who embody the ideals and that will be hearing this. And my last thing to say to them is be the kind of person that keeps me looking for new people to talk to. Don't be the kind of person that makes me want to close my doors to uh, new individuals. Be the kind of person that inspires me to do better, that inspires Justin to do better, that makes us want to do these shows and inspire others to do better. Don't be the kind of person that that uh, lowers the standard so low that others are tripping over it. Before we go, I want to share with you a comment that was left over at the KOA main Facebook page. And it was in regards to a short little video that I had posted celebrating the life of Robin Williams, who had, at that point, it was the one-year anniversary of his passing. A full disclosure, this comment is from my oldest daughter. But what she wrote um, warmed my heart, and I wanted to share that with you. I will never forget the day that you showed me the movie What Dreams May Come. That movie still empowers me to this day to love with no fear of not being loved back because if you put love out into the world, you will get it back. Not just from people, but from the flowers when they bloom, from the tree when it gives you a perfect peach, from a ladybug who took, landed on you and shared a moment with you, from a dog when it nuzzles into your chest, from the river on a hot day. Robin Williams showed us that from even in our darkest depths of hell in our mind, you can still find love. And even if you feel like the depths are your only home, you can still put love out. And from the darkness, a shadow will hold you, whisper to you, and mirror you back to the light you put. I love you all very much. And until next time, awaken the night within. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.